Counter the latest internet sensation. This is going to be a game changer. People are banging on the door. It's incredible. The words I want to say I can't even get out of my mouth. They're going to be blamed for everything. There's no one who's shown more genius. He's a magnificent specimen of mankind. Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your issues. Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. Far too many stabbings around Melbourne. We've had one in Port Melbourne where a woman stabbed a bloke in the head, another one at North Melbourne, and just getting detail through of a third stabbing that's happened over the last few days. This one took place in a warehouse rave party that's been organised by a couple of people. We'll get you some more detail on that a bit later in the morning. Now, do you remember this movie? Not even supposed to be here today. That's Clerks, the 1993 black and white comedy from Kevin Smith. There was a sequel, Clerks 2, some of the funniest movies you'll ever see with Jay and Silent Bob as uh, some of the characters that became quite iconic out of that. Well, the man who said those words in the film Clerks, Brian O'Halloran, is an actor, friend of the director, Kevin Smith's. He's going to be in studio today to talk about uh, what was an important moment in movie making when uh, Art House became a little bit more mainstream and young voices like uh, Kevin Smith and, and and, uh, you know, uh, the Quentin Tarantinos of the world became mainstream names and big draw powers at the box office. Also, the full interview from one of the most famous wrestlers on the planet, Triple H is going to be talking to us from America down the line. We played a little bit of it on the Hot Breakfast, but the full interview will be coming up this morning. It's a must for any pro wrestling fans, but also anybody who just likes to hear the behind-the-scenes going-ons of a worldwide entertainment brand. Triple H is the executive vice president now of World Wrestling Entertainment, so he goes from having called the shots in the ring to having called the shots in the back office, and it's a really interesting chat. We'll bring you that a bit later. Also, I mentioned it was Caulfield Cup Day. Not only will we run through who the favourite is, but there's also a scandal developing involving the chairman of Racing Victoria, and it relates to the Cobalt saga that's been going on in VCAT. It hasn't been busy this last few days. In the AFL trade week, I don't think I can remember a more exciting trade week where we've been dealing with bigger names swapping across the country. Yesterday, the Sam Mitchell trade was finalised, so Hawthorne sent Mitchell and picks 54 and 72 to West Coast for picks 52, 70 and 88. And the other Mitchell, Sydney's Tom Mitchell, the young midfielder, so much potential, that bloke, he moved to Hawthorne. It was Mitchell, uh, Tom Mitchell, that is, in pick 57 to Hawthorne for selections 14 and 52. But the Hawks are really been the biggest movers of trade week. I mentioned those two trades with both the Mitchells, but also Jordan Lewis was a name uh, that got bandied about Thursday and really heated up around Thursday night. Apparently the uh, chain of events was similar to what he did with Sam Mitchell. Alistair Clarkson went to Jordan Lewis and said, would you be open to a trade? I'm thinking of doing some different things with the list. Lewis was uh, quite surprised by this, quite upset by this, and uh, in response to that conversation with Clarkson, his management started speaking to Melbourne about where whether Jordan Lewis could fit into the Melbourne list for 2017. Well, we were told yesterday that that deal was off the cards, that Jordan Lewis would be staying at Hawthorne. Here's what our very own Damien Barrett had had to say on the hot breakfast yesterday. Jordan Lewis was was a was a matter of minutes away from signing this deal or effectively sending a, a heads of agreement that way to accept the Melbourne offer until Hawthorne got, uh, I suppose, cold feet so, on the proposal. Now, Hawthorne may have cold feet, 
but Melbourne is still red hot on Jordan Lewis. I read from the back page of the Herald Sun today, it's an article from Jay-Z Clark who says Melbourne remains in the hunt to secure star Jordan Lewis after meeting with the Veterans Management yesterday. And there's a quote from Josh Marnie, who's the football manager at Melbourne. He says, we understand Jordan is contracted to Hawthorne, but we remain interested in looking at this option. Brian Lake also touched on this, uh, the former teammate of Jordan Lewis on Fox Sports last night. I'm going to bring you what he had to say a bit later in the morning, but it seems like a potential move for Jordan Lewis is very much still on the cards. Health and Fitness with Danny Green. He conquers Saturday mornings every week on Triple M2. He is our health and fitness commentator. Great to have you, Greedy. And I know behind the scenes you've been negotiating the nitty-gritties for this rematch with Anthony Mundine. Talking location, time, ticket prices, no doubt. Where are negotiations at? How are they going? It's it's getting uh, to, the, to the real pointy end. And uh, we're, we're probably, I reckon, two weeks from announcing it. So that's date, venue, the whole bit? The whole kit and caboodle, mate. Where it'll be, when it'll be, uh, what time it'll be. And, um, yeah, that's, that'll be all the details we will be giving. How the fight will finish, we'll be, um, we'll have to wait till that night. <laughs> yeah, but I reckon you'd uh, go as far as to say you know how it finishes. I've got a pretty good idea how this is going to finish, how I want it to finish in my head, and I'll keep visualising that, and I'll make it happen on the night. We think it could be a Melbourne? Uh, it could be a Melbourne, mate. It could be. There's, there's three places it could be in. Right. So that's what that's what you're fixing, which is what? Per, uh, Melbourne, Sydney or Perth? Finalising that, yep. Yep. Michelle Payne, the Melbourne Cup winning jockey, won the Don Award uh, earlier in the week. That's for the most inspiring sports person or team for the nation over a 12-month period. Who inspired you to do all you've done in boxing? For me, the most inspiring athletes are disabled athletes, uh, ones that are born with a with a with a with a, obviously a very challenging life ahead of them and they make the most of that life and go out there and smash it and achieve goals. I just get such a such a kick out of seeing people with no leg, with that's blind or, or has some impairment physically or mentally and, and, and they're just out there killing it. To me, that's what's truly inspiring and I can honestly say hand on heart, that's what's inspired me, not just in sport, in my boxing throughout my life. I like it, mate. One out of left field. Hey, yeah, before we let you go, I see you're opening a new gym over there in Perth. There's some Instagrams of you uh, getting on the tools and doing a bit of construction yourself. Do you know what you're doing on the tools? Hey, mate, I was apprentice carpenter four years in a row. Apprentice, though? I mean, that doesn't mean you know what you're doing. Well, mate, I got my trade certificate, so I'm a formal, I'm a formal qualified carpenter. You wouldn't want me building your house, though. Said she'd blow down in a stiff breeze. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's happening very soon, and and we've got another another brand of um, I'm part of a franchise called Twelve Round Fitness, and we're pretty excited because we're growing that around the country, and so um, that's really exciting for me as well, Seb. I like it, mate. You're always working on something. Uh, TeamDannyGreen.com.au, the website. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Too easy, Seb. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Couple of stabbings in Melbourne overnight. Good to hear the crooks have put the guns away for once and now just slashing people. But how's this? Within a few hours of each other, we start off in Port Melbourne around quarter to 10 on Florence Street, multiple level apartment. Bloke shows up to the ground floor of the flat. He's got a knife and he's yelling and carrying on. He slashes the security door with the knife. And while the person is refusing to open the door, a neighbour comes out, a woman comes out and tells him to just quieten down and leave. So he turns on her, slashes the 30-year-old woman to the back of her head and then runs off. 
Well, another uh, attack later on that night. This is just after midnight in North Melbourne. I don't think it's the same guy or the same people involved, but this is on Sutton Street, another high-rise apartment. And we don't know exactly what led up to this attack, but in the end, a 55-year-old man was slashed to the head by a woman who was then arrested uh, not far away by investigators. 48-year-old woman now being interviewed. So... Two stabbings in a matter of hours. And I read in the Herald Sun today that uh, a few days ago they had a big rave party in a warehouse at Laverton. Uh, they write in the paper about uh, you know all the various drugs being consumed. It's one of these kind of dance parties. And then somebody's been stabbed there too. So they've been recovering in hospital the last few days and it's really been touch and go for them. So a bit of a worry. What's going on out there? Footy's over. Just relax. You'll find something else to do. Last night at the Astor Theatre, the place was packed out for a special screening of the cult film Clerks. Now, you might be familiar with it. It's uh, Kevin Smith of Jay and Silent Bob fame, a huge movie and continues to be very popular years after, mainly due to the performance of its leads, one of which is Brian O'Halloran, who joins us in studio here at Triple M. Morning, Brian. Good morning, Sub. Thank you for having me this morning. Mate, how old were you when you did Clerks? Uh, when we made it, it was 93, so I was 23. And when did you first realise as a sort of young man in his 20s that this was becoming something quite big? You know, were you starting to get recognised? Um, well, when we first made the film and by the time it was edited and put out to the first film festival, it was like October of 93, uh, got seen by not that many people then, but it, the word got around that it was quite funny. And so uh, it got suggested by Bob Hawke to go to Sundance. And when it went to Sundance, they had four screenings there. I couldn't make the full 10 days of that. Uh, festival. I just couldn't afford it. So I went out for the last five days. And I remember being there, two screenings that already happened. I remember being walking down Park, uh, Park City, Utah, where Sundance is held, and people coming up to me going, hey, man, I love what you did. Do you mind if I get an autograph? And I thought that was just very odd at the time. <laughs> now, mind you, I'd been an actor for two, three years going, you know, community theater and local uh, off-Broadway theater in New York. So it was very odd to see that. But uh, it, never never mind, it, it started to pick up pace and you know, uh, when MTV sent their movie division to come over and interview us, that's when I was like, whoa, MTV's coming to interview us. That's interesting. And then CNN and following thereafter. That, that was when it was kind of odd. It's crazy the way it's remained popular and the way, you know, you've since done a cartoon series and there's been a sequel to that film. The strength of it, I think, is is the relationship between your character, Dante, and is it Jeff Tyler, the actor who plays... Uh, Jeff Anderson, who Jeff plays Anderson, Randall. Who's who plays, plays Randall. Randall. Yeah, you know what it is? I, I think it's um, it still appeals to this day. It is a movie that's going on 22, 23 years now uh, because it it's relatable to every man, every man and woman who's done some sort of clerking job, some sort of shop job, some sort of retail job. And if you didn't have the job, you've been in establishments where the clerks aren't so, you know, attentive or they could care less what you think or they just give you the dirty look or whatever. So I think that's in this day still is relatable to everybody worldwide, as, as we're now seeing. I mean, and the turnout yesterday was uh, was phenomenal. And uh, I look forward to seeing a lot of them saying they were going to come to the uh, to the expo that we're having later on this weekend, um, starting uh, Saturday and Sunday. So uh, it's today, tomorrow. And uh, we'll see uh, if you guys come down, down to the uh, showgrounds. AMC, come see yeah. it. Melbourne Showgrounds. Plenty of uh, terrific actors who have been involved in, in big shows, including oh, yeah. yourself. And uh, speaking of uh, Jeff Anderson, it's hard to separate you two from your characters in Clerks. Are you mates in real life? Actually, we remain friends through the internet, really, because yeah. I, I live in New York and he lives in L.A., 
Um, but we correspond like two or three times a year via email, uh, occasionally the phone call. It's a weird kind of uh, relationship in the sense that when we're brought together for things like this, um, that it's like riding a bike, you know, and that's a testament to Kevin's writing. Kevin just writes such pure, right to the core of who we are type of writing that it's very easy to pick up and get the humor. We all re- relate to the humor of it all. What's the line that gets quoted at you the most when somebody recognizes you walking around? Well, the one that I'm asked all the time is, are you even supposed to be here today? Because <laughs> Dante, Classic line. The, yep. wi- the whiny little man that he was, uh, would always <laughs> he scream, I'm not to. even supposed to be here today. And that's the other thing, too. Everybody has been called in to go and do something that they weren't supposed to do. I'm sure prime ministers and presidents and heads of state at one time have said, I'm not even supposed to be here today. So uh, it, it's it's that type of relatable, relatability that... Appeals to the audience. Yeah. Hearing you say that's surreal. Yeah, I've watched that movie dozens and dozens <laughs> of times. And to hear you say that in person is uh, is quite surreal. And, and you know what? For me, it's because people like does, does people say to me, does that bother you? I'm like, no, it, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I could be Marilyn Gigliotti, who played Veronica in the movie, who gets screamed, you know, try not to suck any on the way through the parking lot. You know what I mean? 37? She, exactly. She gets, I feel bad for her because she's getting things screamed at her in public places yeah, where be, if, a no, yeah. if nobody knows the movie, they don't know what's going on. Uh, that would be quite difficult. We're talking to Brian O'Halloran, uh, who starred in the, the Clerks films. And mate, you have always been an actor. So if people, you know, uh, know you from the movies, you continue to work as an actor or perform, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I just got done shooting two other films earlier this year in the United States. Um, I'll be shooting two or three more next year, one of which we'll be doing a a 10-part miniseries with Kevin Smith. We're going to do the sequel to Mallrats, which normally was supposed to be just a straight-up feature sequel. Uh, But Kevin, I think, has been enjoying directing episodic television lately he's been doing a couple episodes of the flash and a few other things that uh he when he started writing the the sequel to to mall rats he decided he wanted to do like a 10-part series uh i think he's shopping it around right now i think netflix has uh has put some interest in it amazon prime as well uh so i don't know what outlet it's been decided on but that's one of the bigger things i'll be doing next year um, and it's things like that that I enjoy doing back in the States. I do stand-up as well, so I, I do a couple of dates every once in a while with that. Speaking of Kevin, uh, you know people would know him uh, for his acting in the films as Silent Bob and his sidekick, or Silent Bob's really the sidekick of the character Jay, played by Jason Mewes. That guy seems like one of the most sort of out there uh, and uh, and funny characters as a person. I mean, also he's had his ups and downs. What's he like? Oh, Jay in, in general is a sweetheart. First of all, he's it's funny. He's a very shy and private person in, in general. Um, but he knows Jay is just that that unique type of character that when he was younger, you know, he was a young man, you know, experimenting with alcohol and another type of herbs and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> that made him his personality, that made him unique, that we wanted him, that Kevin wrote him into the script, the original Clerks. And it, he just relevated, you know, he just was so, such a key, funny moment there. And they don't have much airtime, so to speak, in the film screen time but those two characters just burned into so many of the generation x and y and millennials that they went on to do other films and people really love it he as we speak is directing his first movie that he's uh written and is now directing in la uh very funny it's a very funny film um his sense of comedy if anybody has seen the jay and silent bob get old podcast tour with kevin um, you know how he is in person. That's when you see him on stage. That's the type of humor and sensibility yeah. that's very funny. But in private, he's a, a wonderful dad and an amazing friend. Yeah, good to hear that. I think um, what attracts people, or at least attracted me, to the whole View Askew universe, which is what fans refer to as Kevin's movies. Mm. 
is you all seemed to kind of come up together and continue to support each other in, in oh, the yeah. different projects that you do. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, when Jay had asked me to be a part of his film, I said, absolutely, without even seeing a script. I was like, whatever you want to do, man. Yeah. Because I, I think we all know the kind of standard we like to work with. And just that's the thing about in anything. It doesn't have to be filmmaking. It, just, it could be sport. It could be anything. When, you, when you've worked with a team and you've been through things as a team and you want to do more, when you have the same teammates again and again or the same castmates or whatever, same production crew, it, it makes that kind of camaraderie and sense of what we want to accomplish all that more solid. Any chance of a Clerks 3? Uh, it's been written. Okay. It's been written. It's been There's given to us. Yeah, wow. it's, I've had it now for about a year and a half. Okay. Uh, we were supposed to do it this year, yeah. uh, but Kevin had moved around a couple of production things, so uh, we're waiting for some logistics. In the meantime, we'll do Mallrats, uh, the series, which I haven't seen the script yet. Uh, but knowing the script of Clerks 3, it's like buying someone their Christmas gift in February. <laughs> and you're like, God, I totally want to see their reaction when they open this. But you got to wait until December to give it to them. That's kind of like it sits in my safe at my house. Oh. I've read it twice now. And it, it is, A, it's very funny, of course. But B, it's also extremely touching and extremely relevant for today, especially. And uh, I think the fans will love it once we get it up and, and running. Um, and like I said, uh, it's that type of thing like, oh, I want to tell people about it, but I... I signed you a need piece someone of, to prove it. I, I'm happy I to just signed a piece eyes. of paper for $3 million. <laughs> I would be fined. If I, so if someone wants to pay me $4 million, well, three like, to pay the fine, and a million for me. We could just do a read now if yeah, you like, you know, just to you know, help you get your lines a, right. An Indiegogo or GoFundMe <laughs> thing or something. <laughs> it, exactly. We'll start it off, change.org.au or something. Brian O'Halloran, it's uh, you know, really cool to, to sit here and chat and talk movies and talk about uh, the movies you've been involved with. Well, thank you. And uh, you know, I hope people get out and say good day at the AMC Expo at the show grounds across the weekend absolutely if you want to come down and have this kind of conversation in person please come on down and it's just not just me loads of people and you've got christopher lloyd for god's sake who's going to be there as well you know so tons and tons of people come on down to the showgrounds you're not going to be disappointed brian o'halloran good to chat cheers thank you could be a belter of an afternoon for those heading to the caulfield cup for more information on our second richest cup race in this country is the host of racing ahead on the am dial and you know him from channel 7's various broadcasts good morning michael felgate Good morning, Seb. How are you, mate? Mate, the MRC who run Caulfield must be rubbing their hands together with a top of 25. It's going to be glorious. They are blessed. I can't recall <laughs> a Caulfield Cup where it's been terrible weather. We've seen some uh, other major meetings which have been hit in recent years, but the MRC over their three-day carnival, they always seem to jag it. I want to talk about Damien Oliver because he was hit with a dangerous riding charge during the week. He appealed that and failed, which means that he will miss 20 meetings, uh, including some of the biggest meetings of the season, but will be back come Melbourne Cup Day. Although I read he is able to race today. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct, because he already had rides accepted. So if you've uh, accepted rides, you can uh, fulfil those commitments that you've already uh, got rides in a race. However... I think he might take this one step further and he may even uh, go to appeal this at VCAT uh, next Monday because uh, he is not happy at all because uh, he's going to miss two of the biggest meetings uh, or three of them if you include Manicato Stakes Day. He's got the Cox Plate next week where he was on an international called Vatamos and then he's got the Derby Day which is the biggest race day of the Spring Carnival. He can come back for the Melbourne Cup Day but to cut out that huge chunk, uh, it's an extremely serious charge. One, we've only seen three in the previous 10 years of reckless riding as opposed to careless riding. So 
he was quite stunned to get uh, hit with that charge. So it's pretty rare. And, and I read uh, in giving evidence in putting his defence uh, to the Racing uh, Disciplinary Board, his uh, lawyer actually said he could be missing out on potential millions of dollars in prize money. Well, yes, that's true, although it's a little misleading uh, because uh, he takes a 5% cut. Right. So <laughs> while, whilst he's going to be racing for uh, millions of dollars of prize money, uh, he would get 5% of the winning fee. So uh, that does reduce it. But it would be substantial in the hundreds of thousands if he was to win uh, those major races. So, look, it's, it's a massive hit for one of the top jockeys. Uh, if you're having a bet today, I can guarantee you he's going to be very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and mate, as we look at the Caulfield Cup form guide today, uh, is uh, Jamaica still the hot favourite? Yes, she is. Uh, and we've had a couple of scratchings this morning, actually. So if uh, your listeners aren't up to date with that set square, uh, which is a stablemate of Jamaica's been scratched this morning. She uh, has woken up and she's got a, a little bit sore behind. So they've scratched her and also uh, Tarzino, who was the early Caulfield Cup favourite when markets came out. So we're left with a field of 16 with four scratchings. And Jamaica, she's around about $3.40, $3.50. She's flying the local flag because there's a a very strong army of internationals who will probably be the toughest to beat for Jamaica. But Kieran Ma, Nick Hall looking for his second Caulfield Cup. He won on Faulkner a few years back, and uh, she is the punter's pick. There's been good money lately for the uh, English galloper Scottish, which is to be ridden by Kieran McAvoy. Uh, it's from the Godolphin stable. There's also good whispers coming out of the uh, Werribee Quarantine Centre that the German galloper Articus is also performing extremely well, and he's trained by Andreas Voller who, of course, trained protectionist to win the Melbourne Cup a couple of years ago. His accent reminds me of Goldmember from the Austin Powers yeah. movies, <laughs> Andreas Waller. It's just got, he's Dutch, isn't he? Uh, well, no, he's German. Oh, he's German, is he? Okay, German. all right, very yeah. good. Uh, Articus and Scottish, a couple of tips there from Michael Felgate from Channel 7. Hey, mate, uh, one last one, uh, just sort of question without notice. Uh, we read this morning that the chairman of Racing Victoria, David Moody, has stood aside while a racing integrity investigation goes on. Is that related to the cobalt issue that we've seen uh, developing over the last months? Yeah, it is, and it's terrible timing for the racing industry. Uh and not surprising that it makes headlines at this time of year uh, when it's the uh, the peak period for racing. And it does relate to, uh, this has been bubbling along for a while because David Moody was not chairman of Racing Victoria at the time. He was on the board. And the allegations being made from Peter Moody, who has been suspended and walked away from the sport as trainer. At that period, he was uh, the leading trainer for David Moody, who races a number of horses. Now, when the Cobalt issue broke, uh, it's alleged from Peter Moody that David Moody, who had the knowledge because he was on the board, rang uh, Peter Moody to tell him that uh, he and Mark Kavanagh and Danny O'Brien were facing uh, positives for cobalt. Now, this is before they had been informed. Peter Moody then rang uh, Mark Kavanagh and Danny O'Brien to tell them, and that's come up in these cases. So they're saying that he abused his power. Uh, this is all alleged, obviously, uh, and he leaked it to the trainers that they were facing those cobalt charges. So, right. uh, this has now been uh, reported to Sal Turner, who is the Integrity Commissioner of Racing here in this state, and it's a separate body to Racing Victoria. So David Moody has decided to stand aside while that investigation continues. Uh, so uh, it will be a lengthy investigation. So at this stage, uh, the Chairman of Racing Victoria has stood aside during the Spring Carnival, and of course, uh, CEO Bernard Saundry has uh, announced his resignation, so he uh, will be uh, standing aside at the end of this year, and they yet to find a replacement for Bernard. So, fair to say, there's a, a fair bit of turmoil going on in the racing industry at this stage. A bit of movement, interesting. So, to sort of use a, a finance and business term, it's an allegation of insider trading. 
Yeah, or, yes, very similar. But the, the, there's no financial gains uh, that can be garnered from it. It's basically just passing on information uh, to give these trainers a, a heads up, if you like, before they're officially notified. Michael Felgate hosts his own show, Racing Ahead, on the AM dial on weekdays. You'll also see him regularly on Channel 7. Thanks for joining us, mate. Good luck today, Seb, and your listeners if you're having a punt. It's probably been the biggest trade week I can remember when it comes to football. I mean, to have the player, the calibre of Sam Mitchell, move to another club is extraordinary in itself. And then the big names that have been linked to moves throughout the period, like Brett Delidio, for example, has also made this one to watch. Our man who has been all over it broke the Sam Mitchell story before anybody got wind of it is Damien Barrett. Morning, Damo. Hey, sir, but I, I agree with you with the, uh, the gravity of this, uh, this one, uh, this trade period. It's been uh, ramping up uh, gradually over the last six or seven years. But this one, and, and the brazenness of, of Hawthorne to go in and, and tell their famous 15-year player that uh, it's best for him and them if, they, if he plays elsewhere is, is uh, probably the one that's going to be the, the long-lasting memory out of this trade period. And speaking of the Hawks, Sam Mitchell isn't the only player they had a conversation of that style with. Jordan Lewis as well was another player who Alistair Clarkson went and spoke to. They discussed a potential trade and then yesterday we were told by the Hawthorne Football Department that they'd changed their minds and that Jordan Lewis was a required player. Well, it hasn't meant that the chatter has gone away. Last night, Brian Lake on Fox Footy had this to say about Jordan Lewis. If they're going to go on the same lines as what they've done with Sam to, to help uh, Jordan Lewis extend his career, mm. you've got to let him go. Do you, think, do you think he'll go? I think he will. I think just the way everything's unfolding, um, him not being too happy with, I guess, the scenario that's been thrown at him and the potential of this being his last year, 2017, why wouldn't you want to lend leave and get a, an extra year or two like I did a fair few years back? That's Brian Lake on his former teammate, Jordan Lewis. And then the back page of the paper today has Josh Marnie from the Demons saying that they remain interested in Lewis. What's going on there? Yeah, look, as we said yesterday on breakfast, uh, he, he was livid at this uh, scenario, Jordan Lewis, to the point where he got his own management to make the approach to Melbourne Footy Club. And, and as we said, they, they reacted so quickly. They had a contract and a, effectively a, a heads of agreement to him uh, within 48 hours. He was going to sign that uh, basically as early as, uh, as Thursday until Clarko then got the, the cold feet on the scenario. And that was because... And we piece this together, and that's all we can do now, given that it was a bolt out of the blue with the Mitchell news and then the, the Lewis news. But he didn't want both players to go. So when he went to Mitchell on Brownlow Medal Day and then uh, Lewis 48 hours later, he clearly had the view that only one of them, at best in his world, would take the proposal. Yet there was a scenario unfolding um, to the middle of this week where both players were going to go, and that wasn't part of Clarko's plan and thinking. But they've tipped Lewis to a point, and, and I believe he's gone over the edge on it. Now, they might be able to still get him back because he does have the contract, and ultimately they'll require the Hawthorne Club to, to you know, sign off on him going elsewhere as well. But they've certainly tipped him over the edge to this point, and uh, I think it's no better than, uh, than 50-50 that he stays at Hawk. And in fact, I think even in the past... 24 hours, Seb, it's, it's gone the other way, that he, he's less likely to stay at Hawk. Really? Isn't that an interesting situation? I mean, we saw yesterday Hawthorne roll out one of their uh, football department officials to uh, you know try and calm everybody down. Jordan Lewis is a required player, but it seems behind the scenes things are a little bit different. Yeah, and, and the man you referred to there, Graham Wright, is as good an operator in that space as there is, but we're seeing Hawthorne now in damage control and we don't see them in that public space in that situation, uh, certainly under the under the Alistair Clarkson regime in the last five years anyway. So that's what's happening. The, the spin they're attempting on it, I mean, the, if you heard what Graham Wright said and if you, you reread the press release that the club put out about Sam Mitchell, it's, it's as though Sam's gone to them with his proposal. It wasn't that way at all. Sam accepted their proposal and, 
and, and quite openly was receptive to it. But it was Alistair Clarkson that went to him on Brownlow Medal Day. It was Alistair Clarkson who went to Jordan Lewis. And again, we say this, and, and I don't want it to sound too critical of Hawthorne, because they're just doing what they feel they have to do. But, but these are famous Hawthorne people. They're, they're iconic figures, not just in this successful era, but in the entire history of the, the football club, particularly in Mitchell's case. And if they're prepared to make such uh, bold decisions on, on players of that calibre and ilk, it just goes to show you the, the ruthlessness to which Alistair Clarkson applies, uh, applies his, his logic to, to winning sporting games. And look, that is admirable in its own way. It's just that there's heartache and there's... Uh, Heartburn and there's carnage along the way when you do it that way. We're talking AFL trade with Triple M's own Damien Barrett. And, mate, before we let you go, having covered off on Hawthorne, one of the big dominoes that we're yet to see fall is Brett Deledio at Richmond. Do you think they will find a deal there that would see him leave Tigerland? Yeah, again, it's been in the in the, uh, in the offing now for some time. Clubs have been aware that he's been gettable. As I've been saying, um, Seb, I believe they've been aware that the uh, revolt is gettable under a certain scenario too. But we zoom in on the on the Delidio one now that it's been made public via the Geelong Footy Club saying that uh, he they were approached by his management. The way I read it, it'll get done. Uh, it's not often you see the, the linkage of the player with the, the prospective club. Uh, the way this was done earlier this week. And we know that Josh Caddy is the player Richmond wants to, to wrench back out of the Cats. And while that's going to cause some drama and, and is causing drama, I do believe that that will be the way it goes down, that uh, Delidio and, and Caddy will be the, the swapping mechanisms to get that done. And there'll be a few things tacked onto it uh, on, from both sides. Mate, keep up the fantastic work dominating uh, the trade period and all the ins and outs there. Damien Barrett, thanks for joining us. Cheers, sir. Time to play the game! Joining us now on Triple M is one of the most famous professional wrestlers of all time. When you talk about the big names, you talk about the Hulk Hogan's, the Rocks and the Triple H's. He's now running the company in the executive branch of World Wrestling Entertainment and he's been kind enough to join us on Triple M. Good morning, Triple H. Triple H and Triple M, how you doing? <laughs> how appropriate. Uh, but I'm sure you get this question a lot. Uh, when we talk about the big names of the sports, the Rocks, yourself, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, do you have somebody who you look at as the best of all time? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, growing up, my generation and, uh, and um, you know, who I watched is Ric Flair. Mm. Um, you know, to me, during during my time growing up, man, he was just the best. And obviously, later, years later, he got to be one of my best friends. And I got to, you know, train with him and work with him in Evolution and, and everything else we did in WWE. Uh, so I still consider Rick to probably be one of the best all-around performers ever in the history of our business. Um, I'd also, you know, I know he's one of my best friends, but I'd also consider Shawn Michaels to be one of the the uh, the greatest as well. Just just an incredible performer in ring, you know. But look, there's so many. It's it's hard to it's hard to put just one out there when you start getting into the Hulk Hogan's and the Stone Colds and the Rocks and you know, Andre the Giant, and I mean, it just it just goes on and on, so it's, it's hard to put your finger on one. I've always wondered, with, you know, other sports like football and basketball, people who've had success together, they, they get together and have reunions down the track. I mean, you were involved in such phenomenal eras of professional wrestling. Do you guys, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock, do you ever catch up with them and have a beer and shoot the breeze? You know, it's funny, we do um, every now and then, it's, it's because we have you know, in WWE, we have these mega events like, you know, like WrestleMania or SummerSlam where kind of the whole company is there and, and sort of they, they have become our cultural Super Bowls in a way where, 
you know, it just when when we go like this year's WrestleMania um, coming up will be in Orlando, Florida. Last year's was in Dallas. When we went to Dallas, you know, you take over the entire city, you take over that whole place. You're there for a, for an entire week, and it really becomes immersed in WWE. So, kind of everybody that's everybody in the business sort of goes to that city and is there for some reason or another. Um, for something going on that week. So a lot of times that's where we all catch up. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, last year I hadn't seen The Rock for a while, and, and um, I caught up with him the night before WrestleMania. It was like 1 in the morning. We just got done Hall of Fame, and we went over to the stadium, to AT&T Stadium, and uh, he was there over there doing rehearsals, and I had some rehearsals to do. And, you know, we just we hung out on the stage in the middle of the uh, stadium for probably 15, 20 minutes and just caught up and, talking about families and, and everything that's been going on. You know, it's uh, these are people that you used to see every single day. When you're in the WWE and you're, and you're on the road, man, that's your family. You're, you're with those guys every day. You see them more than your family, actually. And, um, so those catch-up times are, are, are big for us. As a Melbourne boy, I'll never forget the first time the WWE took over our city. And Etihad Stadium has hosted some amazing events, some big Australian rules football matches. Only last year we hosted the amazing knockout of Ronda Rousey in the UFC. But the all-time attendance record was set the night that you wrestled The Rock and Brock Lesnar right here in Melbourne. Do you, do you remember that trip? Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. I remember it's one of my favourite trips Um yeah, I mean, that was just a, an incredible uh, night, global warning, it was called. And, uh, yeah, you're right, we did. We came into Melbourne, we took it over for a week, and we had fan access events, and, uh, you know, that stadium was electric that night. It was uh, myself, Rock, Brock Lesnar. It was one of the only uh, times in his first run with the WWE that Brock Lesnar and I actually locked up was that night. Mate, it was incredible. The noise in that place was just amazing. And now you're doing so much work yeah. mentoring the next generation with NXT. And we're pumped because the NXT brand, which has really established itself as its own company within the WWE universe, uh, is coming down under for the first time. And we'll get a chance to see it in Melbourne on Thursday, the 8th of December at Margaret Court Arena. Uh, you bringing a big show for us? Absolutely. Um, I, can, I can tell you right now that uh, you're going to get to see all the top NXT stars, you know, it, it was important for me in, in building NXT as we got to become a global touring brand. One of the, the first things that I was really looking forward to doing was, was getting the brand to Australia. It was always one of my favorite places to go and tour. So you're going to be seeing all the top stars from Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe to Bobby Roode and Austin Aries to our, our amazing women competitors, Asuka and Ember Moon. Uh, Johnny Gargano and, and Tommaso Ciampa, the revival, and then of course, you know, I'm going to make sure that I bring uh, bring my stock. One thing with NXT is we're very diverse in our talent roster. We bring in uh, <clears throat> incredible talent from all over the globe, and uh, Australia obviously is no exception. So um, we have brought a lot into the PC in the last year or two, and they're boiling up to NXT now and. You're going to see them on tour there in Australia as well, whether that be um, uh, Shane Thorne and Nick Miller of PM61, who are from Australia, whether that be Pete Royce from Australia or Billy Kay or also Buddy Murphy. They're all going to be there, 
and uh, putting on a show like you won't believe. The PC being the performance centre, the phenomenal training ground that uh, you've set up to develop the next generation of wrestlers. NXT is such a great television product and, and streaming product as well through the uh, WWE Network. I know you've got a great setup at uh, one of the universities over there in America, but is there any chance that you know the audiences in Australia could uh, have a chance to become part of some recorded matches while the tour's here? Absolutely. One of the things that I'm going to be doing in uh, Melbourne is I'm going to re- be recording that show uh, from start to finish in Melbourne. And um, I'm going to be showing it at a later date on the uh, WWE uh, Network. It Fantastic. won't be live on the network. Yeah, but it will be it will be airing later. So I'm going to make sure that card is a whopper. And I can tell you right now that uh, the main event that night is going to be Shinsuke Nakamura uh, squaring off against Samoa Joe inside a steel cage. In the cage, two of the biggest names in NXT getting it on behind the steel in Melbourne. That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's going to be... Uh, trust me, I, I want it to be uh, big and I want to make sure that uh, NXT puts on a show in Australia that um, Australians will never forget and will want to come back again and again. Can't wait. Now, mate, a couple of personal questions. You did tweet recently that the Royal Rumble was returning to the Alamo Dome in Texas in America, and you left that tweet at the end with, you never know who's going to show up. Does that mean possibly yourself could be once again taking part in the Royal Rumble next year? It's the beautiful thing about the WWE. You never say never, right? <laughs> um, you know, look, I, I put that tweet out because somebody always, uh, there's always a surprise at the Royal Rumble. There's always a shock at the Royal Rumble. And uh, I think this year will be no different. It's been 20 years since we were at the uh, Alamo Dome for the Royal Rumble. I was—I remember being there. I was—I'm um, old enough now. I was on that card as well. And um, so, you know, it's—it's it's, uh, exciting to go back there, and it's exciting to to just see the changes that this uh, that are happening every day, whether that be NXT or you know the growth of the business, and and just as things change, I'm excited to be a a part of all these kids coming up and, and helping them get to that next level. I look forward to, you know, as, as these guys evolve through NXT and become the big stars of NXT. And then, you know, as you see now on Raw and SmackDown, seeing guys like Seth Rollins, like Kevin Owens, uh, like Roman Reigns, like Bray Wyatt, that all came through NXT that are now uh, at the top of their game on the WWE, uh, whether it be Raw or SmackDown. So it's, it's exciting, and it's an exciting process. And we look forward to uh, seeing that in Melbourne very, very soon, and no doubt the WWE, uh, the other brands, will make an appearance sometime in 2017. Triple H, an absolute thrill to talk to you, and uh, all the very best with everything you're doing. Thank you very much. I look forward to it, and I'm telling you, if you're not familiar with NXT and you haven't seen it yet, trust me, you won't regret coming. How could you forget The Nanny, the TV show with Fran Drescher? And uh, the, my favourite character, personally, was Niall, who was the uh, the uh, butler of the family, who used to sort of scheme off in the background and then look out for Fran when there were people trying to get her. The man who brought that character to life with a distinctive voice is actor Daniel Davis, who's in Melbourne for the AMC Expo and joins us on the line. G'day, Daniel. Good morning, Seb. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Oh, there's the voice. That takes me back here. I, uh, <laughs> do people ever, you know, just hear you speaking in a shop and sort of look over and try and figure out why it's so familiar? Yes, they do because, you know, I'm 20 years older now and gray-haired and they think <laughs> that's not the face that's supposed to have that voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm sure there's a rugged handsomeness to the face anyway. Uh, and uh, tell us, if you, is this your first time to Melbourne? 
Actually, no, I came in 1997 when The Nanny was very, you know, it was still on the air and very popular, um, particularly in Australia, which we were always grateful for. And I came down to be a presenter at the Logie Awards, Patrick Stewart and I, and I gave the outstanding comedy performance by a male to a young actor that we didn't know in America at the time, named Eric Banner. But we <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So when he kicked on, did you think, hang on, he was the bloke I gave a little gold statue to back in Melbourne? Yeah, actually, yes. It took me a while to put it all together, but then I realized that the reason I hadn't thought of it is that he's done so many movies that are, you know, dramatic and heavy that I just didn't think of him as a comedian, but everybody tells me that he he is really hysterical. So I wish he would make a comic film for us to see. Yes, uh, he was very famous... A lot of uh, characters that, um, you know, I, I don't know how well they'd communicate to the Americans, what we would refer to. He had a great character uh, who was a TV presenter called Poyter, which is the Australian pronunciation of Peter. I don't quite know if the Americans would get it, but still, we uh, we enjoyed it. And, mate, uh, take us back. You know, the, the Nanny was such a big show, and your byplay uh, with uh, some of the characters, CC, the uh, sidekick of, uh, of the main character, Mr. Sheffield, was often some of the highlights of the program. Was it as fun as it looked? It was. I, I would, it was interesting because I would start the week uh, with a script and a table read on Monday, and Niles wouldn't have very much to say or do in the first script. And so we would read it out loud, and they'd say, okay, here's where Niles can zing CC. Here's where Niles can zing Mr. <laughs> Sheffield. And so by the end of the week, I had, uh, you know, I had all my great stuff, and sometimes I was able to... Uh, I always tried to stick to the script because the writers worked so hard and we wanted to make sure that they had had it exactly the way they wanted it. And then once we got that part in the can, then we would ad-lib. And that's where I came up with some of, uh, some of my ad-libs, which some of which they kept and some of which they didn't. But I always had fun. And Ms. Lane, Lauren Lane, who played Ms. Babcock and I, had been friends for many years before The Nanny uh, happened. And so... When we met each other at the final audition, we were like, oh, my God, I if I get it, I hope you get it. And, and uh, because we just had a built-in rapport and we both had trained very similarly, so we knew we worked in the same way. So that was a blessing right off the bat because we had instant chemistry. Oh, mate, and you could tell that whole cast just came together. I mean, it was obviously built around Fran Drescher, but the way the other characters uh, really shone, I think, was the strength of the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and my we people, did see, yeah. well, no, I was just going to say, it took us about a year to uh, the first season to figure out each other's rhythms and figure out the way each of us worked. And, you know, once you get that in your head and everybody adjusts to each other's style and their rhythms, then it becomes, you know, it becomes like, as Fran would say, like butter. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, mate. Well, people can say good day to you at the AMC Expo, which is happening at the showgrounds this weekend. Mate, uh, I yeah. hope you enjoy your time being back in Melbourne all these years on. Thank you, sir. I look forward to it. And actually, on Monday, I have a day off here, and I may be able to get out and actually see the city instead of just going from <laughs> hotels to, to convention halls. So... Well, that's mate, my hope, anyway. Take a tram and take a tram to the Melbourne Cricket Ground, and uh, that's a good start for a day in Melbourne. Okay, thanks, Seb, so much. <laughs> nice meeting you.
Yes, that music can only mean Jade Vincent from Channel 9 is here. Hello. And from the 10 Eyewitness News team, Chanel Vella, good morning. Good morning. Did you go to Chatty last night? I went to Chatty last night. This is the new Chatty. This is the new Chatty, but I have to tell you the start of this story. So Chanel and I were talking about the stories that we've covered during the week. Yep. She covers the uh, Port Melbourne house being shot up yesterday. I covered the uh, the reopening of the $660 million redevelopment of Chadston this week. Who's a hard-hitting reporter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, it actually is quite spectacular in terms of the architecture. They've got this incredible roof that's made out of 2,700 glass panes, all different shapes, weighing 200 kilos each year. I did my research. <laughs> Um, but it is mayhem. There is just so many people there, and I thought I'd better go and do some more research and go for a shop myself. So last what's actually night. happened? So Chadston, being the massive shopping centre out in the southeastern suburbs, just off the Monash at Warrigal Road, that's right, and they've capital. made it even bigger. Even bigger. I think it spans something like two hundred and ten thousand square meters. <laughs> Can now. I just say this gives me. Anxiety. You're having a panic attack, aren't you? Can't. Remember, I called Jade after she did this story and I said, that is my worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> too much coming up to Christmas, too many people touching me Mm-mm. to get to stores. You don't like shopping? No, I hate it. Really? I hate it. I am. Your fella must love that then. He loves Chadston. Oh, he likes, so he likes shopping and you don't? Yeah, he's all about Chaddy Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> so the question will come up later today. Babe, are we going to go to Chadston? No, we're not, Dal. Oh, it's we're crazy. Yeah. It, it, so the new stores, it's the huge uh, H&M and yep. Uniqlo. What's H&M? It's, it's a UK sort of big flagship department okay. store. Um, well, Sephora. As I sit is... here in my Triple M branded logo yeah. T-shirt, clearly not the uh, up-to-date man with the... <laughs> Various fashion labels that are going into Chadston. Well, for the guys at home, yep. there's a shop called Sephora. Yeah. You don't need to know anything else except for they sell makeup. <laughs> they sell makeup. This perfume? morning, yes. perfume as well. Yeah, okay. This morning, they opened at Chadston. Yeah. 700 girls in line by 7.30. What? 700. Which actually could be a dream for some guys <laughs> if you were at Chadston. Oh, well, yeah. absolutely. Girls, girls, girls. You wonder if they want to line up though because... They do realise mm. that store is going to be there for for a while, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not, a, yeah, and and it's not selling anything particularly groundbreaking. No, no. Uh, it's sort of. I think the hook is that they sell makeup that's not available here uh, or hasn't been available here. I can't do the lines though. No, I'm not. Would you line up, Seb? Not since uh, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts opened at Fountain Gate. <laughs> has, no, it was Krispy Kreme. Sorry, Krispy Kreme's opened at Fountain Gate. Has there been such a long queue? That's extra. I'm a bit like you, Chanel. I don't do the uh, shopping thing so much. Yeah, I didn't love it last night. No? I sort of got in and, and got out. But the um the dining hall, they've got Neil Perry's got his own restaurant up there. It's a burger joint. And there were actually there was lines to get into all of those sort of See, food outlets. There was a McDonald's across the I road. Know, I was really right regretting across my the road. I still can't get over the fact that you don't like going shopping, but your boyfriend does. It's true. That's amazing. He loves that it. That is a flip is on a popular theme. You, let's face it. He's <laughs> way more stylish than I am. Um, yeah, he just loves it. He loves going there. He loves looking at new things. And I just want to go home. Mm. Definitely. I can't cop shopping. One triple three five three. Can you cop a day shopping with the missus, or would you far prefer to just sit on the couch and take in a nice Saturday of television and refreshment? That's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Nathan at Clyde North. Are you much of a shopper? Not at all, mate. Not at all. <laughs> How do you get out of it? I dodged a bullet today. Yeah. Tell us more. The wife wanted to go to Chadston, but I conveniently found work. Oh, you good would, on you, Nathan. Yeah. Are you You're actually a... are you actually working, Nathan? 
No, I'm going to clean my car. <laughs> I would unload a cement truck to get out of going to today. <laughs> hey, Nathan, hang on the line. You've scored tickets to Crown Oaks Day. Now, come oh. and play at Crown Oaks Day where the Phillies are in fine form on and off the track. I didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to uh, Michael at Frankston. G'day, Michael. G'day, how you going? Mate, well, well, are you much of a shopper? Uh, I'm definitely not a shopper. I like to get in and out. But I uh, went shopping with the missus yesterday. She's going to the Cup, Caulfield Cup today. Three hours. That's... It was torture. Three hours shopping trip. I think yep. that's pretty good cool to find to... a whole racer's outfit. Was that whole outfit? <laughs> whole... Accessories, a dress, <laughs> torture. And what were you doing while she was shopping? I was sitting there on my phone half the time and then giving her <laughs> and... a couple compliments when she walked out with her <laughs> dress on. <laughs> At least it's all compliments. Hey, Michael, you've got tickets to Crown Oaks Day too. Thanks for calling. Oh, cheers. Thanks. Hang on the line. Crown Oaks Day, where the Phillies are in fine form on and off the track. Stop saying that. But I can't believe these guys who got out of shopping now get free tickets to the races. So I just liked hearing Big Tough Michael say accessories. (laughs) That's good. We're all over it these days. Um, Now, you you got a hens today. I've got my sister-in-law's hens today. Look out. I know. Will we ever see you again? If the kitties are in the car on the way to Little Ants, turn off the radio now. Is this good? Very tamed. Sure. No, yeah, you're right. Um, no, but I actually ordered, sorry, Fee, if you're listening, but I ordered a life size cutout of her fiance. Oh, that's cute. Yep, got him dressed up in the suit, holding a red rose, a la bachelor. Yeah. And uh, it never arrived. So I hate this. Yeah, I, now I don't have a life size cardboard cutout of her fiance. Mm. Don't get me started on customer service. I've been building to this for a couple of weeks. Same thing happened to me during the week, actually. Organised some flowers for a birthday and it just didn't show up. And they rang me and said, oh, it's okay. We can get them delivered tomorrow. Well, you were only born one day a year. Uh, It's not really that helpful when it happens the day after. Well, can I just say when this happens, because I send cupcakes because I know the way to a man's heart. But (laughs) For birthdays? Yeah. Who do you use? Uh, Well, I don't want to... Say names. Oh, because they're bad. Well, it, it, it turns you into a crazy person because you, when you send flowers or you order things, it becomes all you're checking for. You are constantly checking your phone to see if they've arrived. You're checking on the internet, the little GPS. And you could have, you know, you could be settling your mortgage that day, but all you can think about is where are they? Are the cupcakes? Where is my appreciation text message? Surely they're taking a selfie with these cupcakes going, you the best. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. they. When GPS tracking of packages first started, it seemed like the best thing ever. Little did we know how much time it would take out of our lives when we're just sitting there hitting refresh. You know, surely it's gone from en route to delivered. I you know, go international. Wait. I go international with yeah. this. I'll order something and I'm checking. It's in Hong Kong right now. <laughs> Only a couple of more days. Who wants to go to Chadston? No. no. Oh, not today. Not today. No. All done? I've got some hens to do. All right. Well, you enjoy yourself. <laughs> Jay Vincent, Channel 9, thank you. Thank you. Channel Vella, Channel 10, good to see you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. That was The Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Melbourne's Triple M. Triple M trainees, wise up. Ditch the paperwork and run your business on bridge. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello.